Midwest Mavericks is powered by Mother G, aligning business and technology. Sometimes you run a business, other times you run cities. Today, we're going to have a maverick on who's taking on the machine in Milwaukee, Tom Barrett. Lena Taylor is a state senator who has some interesting ideas on how she can improve Milwaukee's current state. Thank you so much for having me. I want to talk a little bit about why you're running for mayor, what you think the biggest challenges are that face Milwaukee today. Maybe you can share that with us. Well, um, I'm running for mayor as someone who's lived in the city all my life. Um, I live literally on the block that I grew up on, um, 15th and Capitol. My family owned a restaurant and um, other businesses in the city of Milwaukee. And I've watched us go from a place where people came from the South for a better way of life to a place that is the worst place in the nation to raise a black child, to be a black American, the most segregated city. And, all, and, and these things happen under the watch of the present mayor. And so when you ask what is one of the major issues, um, I would agree with the county executive in Milwaukee that said racism is a public health crisis and it is truly part of the uh, institutionalized corruption that exists in this city um, that has denied uh, communities uh, opportunity and it has been a disparate use of funds in this community, um, more downtown development over our neighborhoods and over an investment in our people. And that shows itself, whether it is the health department, whether it is the police department, whether it is snow removal, you name it. We see these two very interesting kind of glaring facts, and that is that uh, females um, under the age of, uh, really under the age of 35, uh, have very high unemployment and and um, are below the poverty line, and it's it's different because in in the neighboring uh, cities of Madison and Chicago, we do not see that same statistic. I'm wondering what's going on in Milwaukee. Well, yes, I mean we're 52 percent women in this community, 70 percent people of color, and uh, if you were to look at the unemployment also of African American men, or for that matter, of people of color the numbers are just horrid, just horrific. And part of that is um, truly because of those same things that I spoke about before. There's just um, not a, uh, a place of us being the most segregated because it's not institutionalized within our organizations. That is part of the issue. The other piece is you have um, a community that really had a number of individuals who ended up on our then AFDC system. And um, you have a lot of single parents because of the mass incarceration component. Um, that has been huge, a huge effect in this community. So, and so, then you so, have an eviction rate and a foreclosure rate um, that has not been addressed. 60% of our city is owned by people who do not live here. And um, the less than 40% of people that do own the city, only 7% of African-Americans in particular are homeowners. So that throws women and children so much more to poverty um, than you would even imagine. And even with the unemployment rate um, seeming as if it's uh, overall, you know, um, not as bad, the truth of the matter is people also are working multiple jobs in order just to try to make a living. So 
what I believe is that there has been a lack of, as I said previously, investment in the people and investment in our community. So, Employers say so I wanna, people are I, not ready I want to come work. back to that, Lena. Can, can you give me some examples of what you think the systematic racism that you state that leads to this unemployment? What, what would be uh, some examples of that? Well, you have several issues that lead to it. Let's start with our education system. We have uh, had like 85% of our children are not able to read on grade level. I believe that our city, as a mayor, I will bring our city and lock arms with our schools and wrap services around our children and families in order to try to go upstream, well, go upstream to prevent some of the very violence that happens in our community. And I think poverty is violence. I think the racism is violence. Um, the police department is an example of the disparate effect that people have. There's an unwanted rites of passage that black men go through in this community, especially with the stop and frisk legislation um, or activities that happen by our police department. They were sued by the ACLU. Those kinds of behaviors have created settlements, $35 million in settlements in the last five years that our police department's activities or inappropriate, illegal behavior has caused us to pay out. Those kinds of things are a norm that exists. Even my own son was stopped for taking a frozen turkey to a neighbor. Um, and the police stopped him, frisked him, threw him in the back of the squad, and very candidly never apologized, and neither did the mayor. These activities are the trauma that exists in this community as well as people just don't get the same opportunities for work in this community. And with education being a challenge, access to work and wealth not being something so, that is happening. I see your point. I mean, I think if if you have a demand for jobs and um, this this area of the workforce is not well-trained, to be able to go and get those jobs, they're going to be left out. You know, if it's a machine operator or if it's a, uh, you know, an engineer or something like that, they need the educational background to be able to win those jobs. H how are you going to improve the, the skills development of, of this, this segment of the workforce to help them gain those better paying jobs? Thank you so much for asking. One of the basic things we're able to do, as I said before, is to become better partners with our school district. We don't even have pathways to the trades for our young people. And so that's one of the things that will happen. But also using our resources that we have as a city, like our foreclosed properties, being outdoor classrooms that individuals can learn various trades and making it not just young people but intergenerational. Because we have at least three generations, if not four, of um, babies that had babies, which is just another um, kind of word for statutory rape that's happened in this community because if you're under a certain age, you can't consent, and we've had that problem for um, a long time, and we've not really addressed it full force. And so we have to create hubs that people can get trained in in multiple areas, both the trade but as well as in agriculture in order to be able to help to deal with the healing that has to exist in this community. And I know that it may sound soft and whatever to people, but when you have this kind of generational untreated trauma, we're going to have to help this community to heal. 
And so I intend to do that with hubs in the community that will deal with both agriculture, pathways to trade, both for our young people as well as for others, help us to be, deal with some of these social determinants that we have in the neighborhoods that are needed. The mayor has made it a point to invest in downtown and has forgotten about the neighborhoods and the people. And so redirecting that attention to our people and our neighborhoods will be a number one priority. It sounds good, but I, I'm lacking like clarity on what you mean by these hubs. Um, w- what is it that, that you would specifically do? So let's start with there's a foreclosed property, for example, that the city has. What we presently do is let those properties sit and become dilapidated. There's a shortage of individuals in the trades. Plumbing, painting, construction, all of those things. There's also a homeless problem in our community. We had individuals under the freeway, and in order to meet the DNC's time, they wrap services around those individuals to move them. Imagine people being able to go to these dilapidated properties that are in their neighborhood and that they're able to go and give their time, their sweat equity, so that they didn't have to be homeless, but simultaneously learning skills that they need that would or that they could use that could help them to um, get employment. In addition to that, it helps to build community. No one's coming. People have to be able to rebuild their neighborhoods and their communities together and to be um, concerned about what happens for themselves together. So, so, so who's, who's going to train the folks um, on these trades? I mean, it sounds good. You're going to take uh, these old properties and turn them into something that's, you know, no longer a, a dump, but build it into, you know, a, a house that somebody could live in. Uh, and that sounds great. I mean, we need to do that. It, we need to re- uh, gentrify uh, these, these neighborhoods that have uh, seen great, great, uh, degradation in, in their facility. But, but I'm wondering who's who's going to lead this? How are you going to put together these teams? I'm assuming, you, you know, when you say hubs, I'm thinking a building, you know, with classrooms and whatnot, but maybe that's not what you mean. No, it doesn't. It's not necessarily a building with classrooms. As I said, it's the foreclosed properties and they can be used in multiple ways. So you have nonprofits, you have organizations, businesses that are in these neighborhoods. When you have a government or an administration that is not included, been transparent and inclusive with the people in the neighborhoods, you you don't know and you can't envision then maybe seeing those individuals work collaboratively. But what we've done is we've been able to create some collaborative options in some neighborhoods, um, but it's been against the grain of what this administration does and think because they've allowed the developers, the large developers to be able to get the properties and to develop them versus the neighborhoods and the nonprofits and the businesses that are in the individual residents that are in the neighborhoods, as well as we've received money as a city even to do the, to do work on the properties that are in our community. And the mayor has chose to demolish properties and to do um, demolition of of properties and just create empty lots and letting those properties sit and become dilapidated and not holding those mortgage companies accountable before the three years happen when they fall back into the city's hands. So there is not only revenue that the city has that can be redirected in a way to use our resources as a positive instead of, you know, just demolishing them or allowing them to sit 
We pay for grass to be cut and snow to be removed. But if you were in collaborative efforts with the community, like, for example, um, there is a group that um, just got a funding from the medical college. Um, this is a group that I've worked with for years, and no one has allowed that group's work to be able to be used in a way that could rebuild the community. They've been going upstream. This is the problem that has existed in this administration, including people in the neighborhoods doing the work is not there, as well as there are several individuals to go to who can do the training, both Northcott as well as retired individuals that are able to do painting and uh, concrete work. Short version is that there have been several small organizations that have tried to do the work. But the way that the city has done things is that they've allowed great big developers to be able to um, get the opportunity to take these houses to um, rehab the houses or build new houses. And then 15 years, they want the residents to pay for rent. Uh, and then after 15 years, they'll own the house. That's not a good deal for the residents. So my point to you is that the money is there, the people is there, the lack of collaborative services or, or working together to move our resources in a positive way for our people in our neighborhoods has not been this administration's way. And that is, I think, one of the largest problems is that he's not been inclusive of the people and he's not been transparent with so how revenue has even been spent. You know, you, we're talking about rebuilding some of these communities, but yet we have a, a very high level of crime in the city as well. You know, the... I'm wondering where you see that coming from and how you're going to address that. Because, I mean, look, we can revitalize a neighborhood, we can rebuild a house, but is it going to be a nice place to live uh, for a family? Or are they going to say, hey, now that I've got a skill, I'm getting out of this war zone? Well, three things in that regard. The first is it's not just rebuilding the neighborhoods. It's having the people involved. And the people um, are growing in the process um, of their neighborhoods. And that's the point. Investing in our people and investing in our neighborhoods versus just downtown is crucial, too, um, in that regard. When people um, have better skills, when their needs are better addressed, when there are healing circles that are existing in those hubs that we've talked about, and people are not just getting skills, um, but they're getting better literacy of relationships, and they're getting better literacy about work, and they're getting access to opportunity, and they're being taught how to have voice in their community to be empowered. Those are things that should also happen in those hubs. And that healing from trauma and that healing from being able to have access is going to move people in a different direction. We know that to be true because you can look at hubs that have existed in Racine and other places where the mayor and the police chief have not embraced those policies. They were able to reduce their violent crime by 70% in those areas. So what I'm saying to you is that people in neighborhoods can transform their communities with supports. 
it kind of brings us back to this whole economic development aspect uh, of these hubs. You know, when we talk about developing skills, we're generally looking at trade schools and we're looking at where people are, you know, when we talk about painting and electricians and plumbing, these are folks that are going through trade schools and learning these trades. It's not a, a DIY model where we're going out and working with somebody who knows what they're doing and just kind of learning by watching. Obviously, there's there's that on-the-job side of the training, but it, it starts also with the fundamental skills development. And I'm still, I, I don't understand how these hubs are going to going to transcend this this gap in skills and in result in um, better education for the for the people. I, I, I I'm I'm missing that part. The truth of the matter is, people can get skills along the way, and people can get certified, which is what you're talking about, along the way. What we have is individuals that have to one feel purpose in their community. This gives people an opportunity to do that, teaching people that giving back is important, but also getting the skill. And when that, when pro-trade does that same work, it helps people to get something that they can take and use. If not even um, to become a certified, whatever, whatever person, it also is about teaching people just work ethic. I'm on the board of North Lawndale Employment Network in Chicago, and one of the things that we've done is we've partnered with um, the uh, Chicago Public Transit Authority so that we can um, use their certifying uh, capabilities and some of their training uh, tools to take people who have recently been um, released from incarceration and train them on diesel mechanic skills, for example, to maintain the buses or uh, on some of the uh, electrical elements of, of the, the, the organization. And so we're able to train people on the skills and get them certified to the point that uh, the, the CTA is willing to hire these folks as individuals and it gives them a career path out of um, the the circle that they're you know that they're unable exactly. to break out of and 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 I see how that's happening. I'm not trying to be um, critical of your plan. I'm just looking for no, no. the the thread that get them to a point where they're certified in a skill that somebody's willing to pay them a, a living wage to to provide those skills. So I think the piece that we're missing is that right now there's no pathway for young people or for their parents or their family members. There's no pathway in our schools, multiple pathways for young people. So now our outdoor classrooms, our organizations and nonprofits that have not been able to be a part in the infrastructure of how our city has done things because they've worked with the developers. Pro-Trade is an organization that takes people in the way that you're saying, except they don't necessarily work with um, with um, the union pathway. There also are unions that need individuals to learn to be plumbers and learn to do the lead laterals. And what we've not done is even done that pre-apprenticeship work so that people know of the pathway and can be connected. We also have urban forestry and taking care of the trees in our community. There's a shortage of arborists. There's a shortage in all of these areas that I've articulated. And if we're not allowing even the properties that we have to be a beginning pathway, I'm not so, saying so that take, I'm going to So take, take your urban arborist, 
Um, that's you know, it, it's a skill, and those are skills that people pay money for. Fifty thousand dollar job, right? How how are you going to get that person trained as an as an arborist? Are you going to have exactly an arborist come what I've in? Articulated to you, and I'll say it again, Dave. Hear me out. So this is what I'm saying to you. We've taken individuals who are just in their neighborhood. Right. We've let them work with Northcott okay. in their neighborhood, learning how to get the beginning skills, not taking them all the way that they're a certified arborist, but at least exposing them to that there is such a job, taking them through a six, eight-week program so that they're getting in the routine of getting up and going somewhere timely to do something and teaching them the beginning items that they learn on how to be an arborist. And then the Arborist Association has been the next arm to take those individuals, for lack of a better way to say it, that have been sifted, that are ready to, you know, continue so, so, on that so path. Is is your vision and that put them in place and giving them fifteen dollar hour jobs to then continue on the path to go so, in that area of arborist? Same thing. So, so you're 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 so. suggesting at the end of this six to eight week period, they would be able to get that kind of fifteen dollar an hour job helping a professional arborist. That's what we did and get on the career path. The other piece is this. We have, for example, lead laterals in our city. We had two companies, only two, that were individuals that could do the contracting or that came up to do the contracting. None of those were companies that were within our city. Um, What I would do different is I would bring our plumbers together. I would ask them why they've not um, uh, even applied for the RFP, and then build capacity with those companies to be able to move into the work that we need done in our city. We have to have dollars circulate in our city with businesses and individuals that are here, and we have to train our people. What then are those companies that get the contracts doing to train people that are in our community? How are you going to get the folks in the neighborhood interested in this? How are they going to buy into it? How are they going to say... Oh, there's no question about that. When the city did a um, a pre-apprenticeship program for arborists, 425 people applied. They only took 25 people. They didn't do anything with the other 400. So there isn't a question if people want to work. So, That's not the question. If people want an opportunity to get out, you just need someone who's willing to be concentrated on the neighborhoods, to be inclusive of all people, not just downtown, not just making sure that the people who can pay for an expensive condo get free rides on transportation around their their community um this you have to have a mayor that's willing to invest so all of our people so you know have so, access to opportunity so lena help, help us see like what what city have you seen that has done something similar successfully that we could use as kind of a parallel yes i've observed a piece of it in my own city where individuals have gone against the grain but because the city has not been investing in our neighborhoods and in our people, uh, those programs are able to get success, but not, ex- not success at a rate that would turn around these horrific unemployment numbers for um, individuals in low-income communities and individuals of color in this community. You mentioned something that's important that I didn't mention, which is the number of people who have returned um, from prison in our community. We don't have anything in our city government that is helping to address individuals who have returned in our community. And when 60% of the population in our prisons is coming from Milwaukee, that's a crisis. 
And when we have a pipeline to prison for our young people as well as our adults, we need to be making sure that the state is doing what they say that they're supposed to do for individuals that return. And we should be trying to wrap ourselves to help those people succeed. That's going to help reduce our law enforcement costs, increase our public safety, and more important, put more people on the books that can be um, productive citizens in our community. So helping individuals who have been touched by the justice system has to be something that we do different. Yeah, it certainly has to be a part of the mix. How do, how do we get these people yes. back into the community as contributing uh, members of society rather than uh, taking out of the coffers of the society through whether it's in public aid or even in the prison system? We need to we we need to flip that circuit. Uh, and I agree with and, you there. And you can't flip it if you lead in mass incarceration in the nation. Yeah, and you don't Agreed. even put something in place to touch people. It can't be a pop-up that you do once or twice a year. When you have 6,000 people that returned one year, you should know that that was a crisis. You should know that you need to have something in place for those people. And we have about 3,000 that return every year, and our recidivism rate is horrible. So there's no question that with those hubs, with those types of investments in our people, that we can move things in a different direction. If you could, in one sentence, how would you summarize your campaign message? My campaign message is that I'm for the people, by the people, and that we need a city that is for all people and that invests in our neighborhoods, not just our downtown. Lena, thank you for joining us this morning on Midwest Mavericks. Uh, And everyone listening uh, in the Milwaukee area, get out and get your vote. It's uh, the one right people have died for for uh, uh, hundreds of years, and it uh, separates us from a lot of other countries. So uh, make sure you take advantage of that right and get out and vote. That's right. That's right. Seventy-five percent of people went out to vote in Iraq. We can do better, America. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, thank you very much, Lena. Good luck to thank you. Thank you. If you're a maverick who wants your story told on Midwest Mavericks, go to MotherG.com slash podcast and let us know. That's motherg.com slash podcast. Midwest Mavericks is powered by Mother G. For more information and a free security assessment, visit motherg.com.